Howdy, Faith Church. If you got a Bible, grab it. We are going to look at a passage in Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 55. So grab your Bible, take it out, turn it on. Isaiah, you find the book of Psalms, you go right and you'll bump into Isaiah. And I know we tell you every week, grab your Bible, turn it on, but no, I mean it. Like, I'll stop and wait. Get your tablet out, get your iPhone out if you're at home. Get up, I know you're comfortable. Get up and go in another room and find an old Bible. I don't know. Grab your Bible. And maybe 2021 is the year you're going to buy a Bible for the first time. Maybe 2021 is the year you're gonna download the U version on your tablet or on your iPhone or on your Samsung because you're gonna follow along and you're going to read. We use the NIV translation. And if you need help buying a Bible or getting a Bible, we have them for you here Open your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 55, and here's what we're going to do. Starting a new series in a new year called Unseen Person. The Spirit of God is an unseen person, and all of us, as we head into 2021, we're desperate for God to guide us and to lead us and to encourage us and to help us. God's Spirit is alive and at work in this world and in people like you and me. And we want to hear from God. We want His guidance. He gives us the Holy Bible, which has been written by the Holy Spirit, to guide us and to lead us. Isaiah 55 says this, Seek the Lord while he may be found. He starts out with an invitation. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on them. And to our God, for he will freely pardon. God says, my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours, my thoughts than your thoughts. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth it will not return to me empty, but it will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. God's word is like a compass. It's like an anchor. What's a compass do? When you're lost and you don't know where you're going, you grab your compass and it shows you where true north is. So the Holy Scriptures show us true north. What does an anchor do? When your boat is moving back and forth, whether the seas are calm or whether they're rough, the anchor holds you fixed and fast, no matter what's taking place. God's word is like a compass. It's like an anchor that holds us fast and guides us. So you look at this passage in Isaiah, and he starts out by saying, seek the Lord. While he may be found, he invites us and he says, God is both merciful and quick to pardon and I need pardon and I need mercy. Don't you in the beginning of 2021? 
He goes on to say, God's ways are higher than my ways and his thoughts are higher than my thoughts. It's Isaiah's way of saying, God is strong and infinite and I am in, I'm small and finite and weak and I need a strong God who knows the beginning from the end and the end from the beginning. His ways are higher than my ways. His thoughts are higher than your thoughts and how I need to remember that in the beginning of 2021. God's ways are higher and wider and stronger. And then at the end of this passage, he says, like the snow and the rain fall to the ground, it almost seems like a nuisance, unnecessary, unimportant. What's the big deal? Snow, rain. He says, but this snow and this rain falls, and because the snow and the rain falls, it grows ground and plants that give us food and beauty and shade. So God's word seems like a nuisance to you. It seems unimportant. What's the big deal? It's lame. What's the point? But God promises to use his words to do something in us, something unseen, something unpredictable. He invites us. God's Spirit wrote these words, and He's working in this place, in you, in your home, in our country. God's ways are higher. He's doing things, and His purposes will not fail. Maybe you hear Holy Spirit, Holy Scriptures, and you yawn. You think this is weird. This is sort of mysterious. Maybe you're here right now, watching right now, because for the first time in your life, you're going to discover a God who loves you and will forgive you and pardon you from all your sins. Maybe 2021 is the year you're going to bump into Jesus and you're going to change relationship and life is going to be different for you because you're going to be forgiven. But maybe 2021 is the year that you actually don't see the Holy Ghost as something weird or mysterious because it's kind of different. But instead, you're going to see the Holy Spirit is alive and well and wants to work in our lives to give us the guidance and the comfort we so desperately need in the beginning of 2020. Let's pray and then we'll get started. God, thank you so much for bringing us together in person, in the chapel, or online. This is your family, a diverse family with lots of opinions and lots of struggles. Oh, 2020 has been hard, and 2021 is starting out real hard too. In our church family, there's diverse political opinions and diverse ethnic opinions backgrounds, diverse economics, diverse maturity, diverse ethnicity, diversity everywhere. Oh God, unite us as a family. Help the things that divide us to be secondary to the thing that unites us most, Jesus and him crucified and the spirit of God alive in us and a word from God that's a compass and a guide. God, we grieve today. We grieve over what's happening in our country. We grieve over this pandemic. We grieve over the loss of economics and jobs. We grieve over loved ones who are in the hospital, people that have died, kids that want to be in school, small businesses that are struggling. We grieve over what's happening politically. We grieve, we mourn, but blessed are those who grieve for they will be comforted only by you. So we fall on our knees in front of you 
We ask for your grace and your mercy. Remind us that your ways are higher than our ways and your thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Be present among your people today as we open up your word and as we learn. Jump off the page to us, God, and grow our hearts, I pray, through Christ our Lord. Amen. Turn left or right. Turn right in your Bible to Mark chapter 1. That's where we're going to jump in. We, just start, we didn't even start yet. Here we go. You ready? Happy 2021. Mark chapter 1. So we're starting this series about the Holy Spirit, and it's important as we start a series about the Holy Spirit to say to you that this is going to be challenging. This is going to be humbling. There's things that are going to stretch some of our understanding. We all come with thoughts and baggage and sometimes fears. But if we're humble, we can learn together. But this is a topic that's kind of difficult because he's unseen, right? And we like seeing things, touching, seeing, experiencing things, but that's hard with the Holy Spirit. And we're also going to talk about the Trinity, and that's also mind-blowing, right? God in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. It stretches our minds. But if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, can I encourage you today that you don't have to check your brain at the door? You can use the mind that God has given you, even if it just expands your mind and blows your mind. And if you struggle to try to understand this, you're in good company, but you're never in following Jesus, supposed to put your brain in a box somewhere and just follow, just believe. No, use your brain, but as you process, remember God's ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. So when your thoughts bump up against higher thoughts, it's okay, relax. Be humble, and God will lead you. His thoughts are greater. And if this is hard, I'm glad you're here because it's hard for me, and it's going to be hard for us, but we're going to learn together humbly as we walk and seek God. So Mark chapter 1, verse 9 through 11, is, I think, the clearest example in the Bible where we see God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit in one scene, one sort of glimpse. And so that's why we're jumping in there today to the baptism of Jesus. Mark chapter one, verse nine says, at that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the spirit descending on Jesus like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son whom I love, with you, I am well pleased. So get this scene in your mind. Jewish people have been promised a Messiah. They've been waiting, 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 waiting. Nothing is happening. Messiah is going to come and bring about justice and goodness in life and save us from our sins. They're waiting, waiting, waiting. And then Christmas happens, right? Angel shows up to a virgin who's pledged to be married and says, you're going to be with child. And Mary says, how can this be? And remember what the angel says in the Christmas story? The Holy Spirit's going to come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. So the Holy Spirit was at work in bringing about Jesus into this world, bringing about God's promise of redemption. And so the Messiah, Jesus, enters time and space in a manger. He grows up in a nobody Nazareth town and everything's about to change. So we meet Jesus in Mark chapter one. He's a grown up now. 
in this passage, 30 years old, and he wanders sort of onto the world stage. Many people in the community are being baptized, and so Jesus gets baptized too. And I almost imagine Mark chapter 1, verse 9, kind of like if Ben Stein was reading it. It's kind of anticlimactic. It's like, at that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized in the Jordan by John. It's kind of lame, boring, not fireworks. If it's this big deal that here comes the Messiah, why isn't there fanfare? But then he's baptized in the Jordan. But things sort of change in verse 10. Verse 10, it gets interesting. Jesus is baptized. He comes up out of the water. It says the sky is torn open. A voice booms from heaven. You are my son. And now it's sort of getting interesting, right? Until you notice a little phrase in verse 10. Check it out. It says, just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being opened. He saw, Jesus saw heavens torn open and a voice from heaven speaking. I think if you were there that day, just my opinion, I'm not sure you would have saw anything extraordinary. You saw this everyday Jesus of Nazareth, this guy who was just a carpenter, wander down to the water with hundreds of other people and get baptized. Maybe you'd have saw a dove fly by him, but I don't think, in my opinion, based on what Mark says, I don't think you would have heard a booming voice or seen anything in the sky. I think that was for Jesus. To onlookers that day, there was nothing spectacular. Now, our purpose in talking about this in Mark chapter 1, verses 9 through 11, isn't to get into the depths of what's going on in Jesus' baptism. It's to zoom in on what is, who is the Holy Spirit. But just two comments about Jesus' baptism that will help us get to understanding the Holy Spirit. He's baptized, Jesus is baptized because he's not an elite. He's not better than anyone. He's fully God, fully man, and without sin, but he, he's baptized, he joins with all the humble people of Jerusalem in that day who are seeking the kingdom of God and wants to follow God. And Jesus is like, I'm seeking the kingdom of God and I'm following God. He's got nothing to repent of. He's associating with us fully. But Jesus is also baptized to be encouraged by his father. 30 years old, he's just about to embark on something pretty huge. He's going to be encouraged by his father. Remember when you were a kid or a teenager, you had a big test, a big game, a big recital. You prepared, you got ready, but you're nervous. Maybe your mom or dad or a coach came up to you and whispered in your ear and said, you're going to do it. You're going to make it. And you know what? If you fail or you fall or something bad happens, I love you anyway. It doesn't matter what's going to take place. I love you anyway. And that brings you such courage when your mom or dad or a coach whispers in your ear, you're going to be great. I think that's what's going on in Jesus' baptism. The God the Father is encouraging God the Son. That for the next three years, Jesus is going to go from no being quiet sort of a carpenter, now he's going to be thrust onto the public scene. And he's going to be loved by many, but hated by more. He's going to be mistreated. He's going to be maligned. He's going to be misunderstood. He's going to be disowned. He's going to be tortured. He's going to be killed. He's going to be homeless. He's going to be betrayed. He's going to carry the sins of the world on his shoulders. And his father says to him before he gets started, son, you're my son. I love you. And with you, I am well pleased. Go get him, son. You got this. 
And at the same time, we see the Holy Spirit come swooping in like a dove. Some think in this moment, Jesus has changed. Some people would interpret the Spirit of God coming in in that moment, that he's changed, that all the 30 years before that, he was just a man. But in this moment, his essential nature has changed. But that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that Jesus is fully God from eternity past. And when he comes to earth, he adds to his divinity humanity. He wraps flesh upon himself. And so when the dove shows up, what is that? It's not changing his essential nature, but it is signaling the beginning of something. Something new is about to take place. And it is God the Spirit empowering Jesus. Because from this moment, there's a right turn that's going to happen. Jesus is a quiet carpenter. Now he's going to be a public figure that's going to be loved and hated and going to go through all this difficulty. And the Spirit does a flyby to say, I'm with you. With whatever you go through, I will empower you. Every step that's hard and difficult, I'll give you strength. I'll give you peace. I'll give you hope. I'll give you comfort. I'll guide you. I will empower you, Jesus. And so the Father speaks and says, you got this, Jesus. And the Spirit goes, I'm with you, Jesus. I'm going to encourage you. I'm going to support you every step along the way. So what do we learn about the Spirit of God through this? Interesting. We don't have much to go on, right? So we see the Spirit flying by like a dove. And I could hear some skeptics right now going, seriously? You're going to call this dove thing an unseen person, the Holy Spirit of God, like, it's kind of whack, weird. What are you talking about? And I'm not sure I want doves flying around my head. I don't really like birds. I mean, I don't know. You could think this is weird. But stick with me. It's, it's bigger and wider. And just stick with and lean in for a little bit moment more and try to explain this to you. Have your Bibles go back to the first words of Genesis chapter 1. Go to the beginning, Genesis chapter 1, the beginning lines of the Bible, because in the beginning, first lines of the Bible, we see the Holy Spirit. And there's a similarity between Genesis chapter 1 and Mark chapter 1. Let me point it out to you. Genesis 1, 1 says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters, and God said, let there be light. What our understanding is of Genesis chapter 1 is that before the foundations of the earth, before the beginning, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, this crazy three-person God has existed, and then in their love and desire to share love with others, they create a world, and we're told here that God the Spirit is present, hovering over the waters, and God the Father speaks, and something new, a new beginning takes place, right? And God's going to speak humans into existence and create men and women in his image to have a relationship and share love with us, Sin and rebellion take place, right? And disconnect humans from God. Humanity is broken. We have irreconcilable differences with God. We're broken. So you take what happens in Genesis chapter 1, 
And you fast forward to Mark chapter one, the arrival of Jesus, and it's the start of his ministry. And we have the spirit of God there again, hovering over the waters of baptism. And we have God the Father speaking, this is my son whom I love. And the biblical authors want us to connect Genesis one with Mark one. The disconnection of humanity. God loves us and makes us. We're disconnected because of our sin and rebellion. He wants us to connect that with the coming of Jesus and the entering of Christ into this world, a new beginning where Jesus is going to lay his life down, pay for the sins of the world, provide a new way for us to be connected with God where God's spirit will live inside us. And this may be hard to grasp, I know. This is mind-stretching to think, why would God choose this? And why this way? And why the dove and the spirit and the father and all that jumbled up in our minds? If you're confused, if you're stretched, if you're wondering, you're in good company. This is hard. This is the deep end of the theological pool. But it's so practical and so important because don't you desperately need a compass? Don't you desperately need comfort and a guide through this crazy world? God's like, I'm going to supply that for you. I'm going to give you a guide and a compass. Yes, I'm going to forgive you from your sins through a relationship by faith in Christ, but I'm also going to put my spirit inside you. I'm going to give you the holy scriptures to guide you. When you feel lost, when you feel tired, when you're confused, when you're looking at the world and saying, it's so upside down, I'm going to guide you, I'm going to keep you. So let me, let me teach you a little bit about words for a moment. So here's some words. Uh, FYI, you may or may not know this. The Bible wasn't written in English, all right? Just basics, right? Some of you are like, oh, okay, great. Bible's not written, it's written in Hebrew and Greek primarily. So when you read Genesis chapter 1, you see this word show up for spirit, ruach. I'm not going to try to pronounce it in Hebrew, right? Ruach. And in Mark chapter 1, you see the word spirit is pneuma. And each time in Old and New Testament, when we see these words as we're reading, that's what is described as the spirit, the spirit of God, these two words, ruach and pneuma. Okay, so let me explain the translation to you. I think it helps to kind of demystify. So Ruach and Numa, they speak about wind. Wind. So like, what's wind? Wind can be a hurricane. Wind can be a gentle breeze. Wind can be something in between. But these words speak about wind, that you know that wind is there, but you can't see it. It's unseen, but its effects are real. When the Bible translates the word spirit, it's going, you understand wind, don't you? There's an unseen effect. There's no denying it's there. It has an important role, whether it's a hurricane or a breeze. It's got a role. It's important. Another word to describe this is breath. When it's translated, we'd use the word breath. These two words could mean breath, right? So in the winter, we can see our breath. Every other time, we can't see our breath unless you're Italian and you eat a lot of garlic. Again, we can see your breath, right? So you know when someone, I'm Italian, I can say that, get over it, right? So 
When you eat a lot of garlic and you have bad breath, you know there's an effect of breath, right? You know there's an effect when you see it, when you blow in the cold air, but it's still relatively unseen and yet there's an impact and effect of breath. The last word that helps us to understand this is life. Have you seen a dead plant? Right, it's alive and then it's dead. Have you seen a dead animal? It's alive and then it's dead. Have you seen a dead person? It's alive and it's dead. And yet there's something about it that's unseen. You know when something is alive and you know that something is dead, but it is unseen, yet powerful. When the Bible describes the Spirit of God with these words, this is what it's talking about, that it's like wind, it's like breath, it's like life, it's unseen, it's real, it has an impact, it matters. There's no denying it, there's no questioning it. It's here. It's unseen. When Jesus, in John chapter 3, is trying to help a religious guy understand a relationship with God, he talks in this kind of language. The religious guy wants to know how to have a relationship with God. And Jesus says, the wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where from or where it's going, so it is with everyone born of the Spirit, right? There's this unseen reality that when I put my trust in Jesus, he puts his Spirit inside me, and that's unseen, and yet it has huge ramifications of wind and breath and life. It's an unseen reality that is undeniable. And it has an impact in your life. It begins to bring about change. But here's what's dangerous about some of this language. What's dangerous about some of this language is it would be easy to see some of this as kind of mystical and new agey, like the Holy Spirit is some kind of force, some kind of power, some new age Ouija board kind of thing, I don't know. And yet that's not what the Bible teaches at all. In fact, it teaches that this unseen spirit does things that a force couldn't do. So if you want to hear Jesus talk about the Holy Spirit, you open your Bibles to John 14, 15, 16. Let me read to you what Jesus says about the Holy Spirit, the language he uses to describe it. Jesus says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I've said to you. When the advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. But very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going away, Jesus says, because unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. I have much more to say to you, Jesus says, more that you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. He will tell you what is yet to come. 
is Jesus describing the Spirit. He uses phrases like this, like words that are so interesting to me. He says he's going to teach, he's going to remind, he's going to advocate, he's going to testify, he's going to guide, he's going to speak. Teach, remind, advocate, testify, guide, speak. Let me ask you something. Can a force or a person do that? Like, what force do you know advocates for anybody or anything? What mystical wind knows how to guide or speak? No, these are things that a person does. God created us in his image as persons, unique identity, and his spirit is a person that teaches, reminds, advocates, testifies, guides, speaks. So this isn't mystical at all. It's unseen, like wind, like breath, like life, but it plays a significant, real, tangible role in our lives that we don't need to be afraid of, we don't need to be weirded out by. The Bible is very clear and teaches us things about the Holy Spirit, but oftentimes because it's kind of force or mystified or new agey, we ignore it. Or because it's spirit, we're like, eh, I don't really understand it. So we just ignore it or we downplay it or we stay away from it. And God's going, don't you need a compass and a guide? In my way, this is how I'm choosing to do it. I'm going to put my spirit inside you. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, three in one, one in three. There's no analogy that we can use. Every analogy breaks down, but the Bible has serious, hardcore teaching that's helpful to you and me about who the Spirit of God is. And I just want to read you on our website, because I, you know, starting out this new series, I want to read you from our website what Faith Church believes about the Trinity and the Holy Spirit. You can go on our website and do this yourself, but I, I'm just here to do it for you. Here we go. It says, we, Faith Church, believe in one God, creator of all things, holy, infinite, perfect, and eternal, existing in a loving unity of three equally divine persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Having limitless knowledge and sovereign power, God has graciously purposed from eternity to redeem a people for himself, to make all things new for his glory. And we believe that the Holy Spirit and all that he does glorifies the Lord Jesus Christ. He convicts the world of its guilt. He regenerates sinners. And in him they are baptized into union with Christ and adopted as heirs in the family of God. The Spirit indwells, illuminates, guides, equips, and empowers believers in Jesus Christ for Christ-like living and service. I mean, this is the theological end of some really important, some of you are like, ah, that's boring. Okay, but for some of you who care, if you want to go on our website, you can read our core beliefs. And I know, again, that some of this is like, ah, I'm kind of, it's too much or it's confusing. If you're confused or this is kind of out there for you, that's Okay. Keep coming because over the next eight weeks, we're going to bring it down to ground level. And we're going to look at Old Testament and New Testament passages that both describe and demonstrate who the Spirit of God is so that we don't have to 
live this life without a compass or guide. I need a compass or guide, and God's given it through his spirit. So if you hear nothing from me, hear this. Most important thing I could say to you today. You go, so what? It's January. What do I do this week? Let me give it to you simply. It's the Holy Spirit uses the Bible as a compass and an anchor. Do you pick up the compass and hold on to the anchor? And I know there's times for me, the Bible's just lame and boring and un, it's like just old and lame. And yet, if I understand that the Spirit of God lives inside me and the Spirit of God authored the words of Scripture and I desperately need a compass and a guide to get me through one day of 2021, can I encourage you this week to open your Bible? Can I encourage you this week? Read and reread and reread again Isaiah 55, 6 through 11, and let those words of truth wash over you over and over again. Because when I look at the news, look at social media, and I interact with diverse people at work or at church or in my small group, I'm tempted to just be overwhelmed and shut down and go, how am I going to make it one more day? But God's spirit is alive. If you put your trust in Jesus, he's put his spirit inside you, and he wants to use the Holy Scriptures, to guide you into all truth this week. And so I pick up Isaiah 55 and say, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on them to our God for he will freely pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither your ways, my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts, as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return without watering the earth, making it bud and flourish, so that yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater. So it is with my words that go out from my mouth, God says, It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and to achieve the purpose for which I send them. Would you pray with me? God Almighty, thank you for loving us enough to make us, loving us enough not to throw us away. God Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, You know our frame, you know our difficulty, you know our struggle. You've seen fit to not only forgive us our sins through Christ, but also to give us yourself, to live inside us, to convict us of sin, to comfort and guide. So Holy Spirit of God, work in every person watching me. Work among those who don't know you Show them their need for you. Show them their sin. Show them the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. God, for the sons and daughters of yours today who could see the Bible as ancient and irrelevant, but who are desperately in need of comfort and guidance, may the words of the Bible jump off the page to us this week and guide us into all truth that we might live like you and love like you. 
pray this through the strong name of Jesus, our coming King. Amen.